We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded and play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. everyone and welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier and I'm still here in the treehouse at Theory Labs at the Brewery Artist Colony in LA. Wow, this has been a really hard couple of weeks since the last time I published an episode. I've been, I've been so excited to start bringing you weekly interviews again after going bi-weekly for a while. Um, my life kind of came to a halt last week for a lot of us and it seemed almost blasphemous to be talking about play at a time like this, right? I mean, after the election, I guess I was just, I was sick in my soul, but I was also really sick in my body too. I I ended up losing my voice for a while. It's finally back. This is my first day back with my real voice. Woohoo! Um, so I was pretty far down in the dumps and it just felt really silly to put all this effort into promoting play. Yay, play. <laughs> but in the weeks leading up to the election, things were really looking up and I was excited and it was hard to let it go. I mean, some amazing people were coming into my life and it seemed like they were just everywhere I looked from every direction. I discovered this online conference called the Play Summit and oh my goodness, the interviews, they were so great. It just opened up so many things for me and I discovered there were so many more play enthusiasts and experts out there for me to learn from, including a gentleman named um, Matthias Polsen from Denmark. I started following his work. He has an organization there called Counterplay, and they do a conference every year. I think this will be the second that's planned out to be an annual conference. It's called Counterplay 17. It's coming up. Um, I was online with them this morning um, for a webinar regarding their crawl for proposals for the conference and oh my goodness I just I'm so much more excited than ever I actually came at play through the back door I didn't know I was a play enthusiast until play changed my life I I honestly didn't know it was a thing until I was trying to figure out why in the world I was so willing to change now when I wasn't before and the only thing that was different in my life was play and that was something Burning Man brought into my life um, so I'm just blown away by how many wonderful people I'm meeting out there right now who've already been talking about this forever and I just feel more and more excited but still what a weird time right from to really get excited about play um so I've been I started following Matthias as well as a few others um from the play conference from the play summit and I discovered that a lot of these people were asking the same question that I was how can we talk about play at a time like this I mean he Matthias actually posted an essay on Facebook with a title that asked the question that I hadn't actually thought to ask, but it was, can play save us? And I'm going to read you a little excerpt from this essay. Well, not a super small one, but I want you to hear, you know, what he's getting at and what this work with counterplay is all about. At the beginning, he talks about his feelings about the American election. You know, don't forget, this is a gentleman in Denmark. Um, but then after kind of talk, going through his feelings on democracy and these kinds of things, he goes on to say this. And I will link to his full um, essay on the show notes. So here it is. This is from his post. Like with anything I do, I aim for a good combination of personal interest and gratification and a perceived greater good. We can't have one without the other, and they usually reinforce each other in a healthy way. 
I think society would be better off if more people felt capable of participating in conversations and processes shaping the world we share. I also think that play and a playful attitude is or can be essential to this. So my crusade only makes more sense now. It is in the call for proposals for Counterplay 17, that's his conference, and now I'm quoting from his call for proposals for the conference next year, and I quote, we wish to explore the potential role of play participation, excuse me, for playful participation for individuals, communities, and society at large. How may it facilitate a stronger sense of agency and become a catalyst for ad adaptability and change? In what ways can play inspire and encourage us to question the status quo and challenge the rules? When, when will our innate playfulness spark our imagination and curiosity, and will it enable us to see that the world could be transformed into something else? Should we consider play a political act that can shape societies? Could it even make democracy come alive through new forms of participation? Can play bolster our courage so we dare to speak out and challenge the established power structures and hierarchies? <sighs> then he goes on. But it doesn't feel like it's enough. Not anymore. I want to go further, develop a more concrete initiative with more explicitity and activist flavors. And <laughs> he asks then, if anyone shares these sentiments, let's talk, let's play, let's act. Okay, Matthias, you asked for it. Um, the, the comments after this and just some of the amazing minds, I'm going to link to it. You have to look at it. It's, it's just inspiring. Um, but this call to action really hit me hard and it challenged me to come back here. So a few days ago, I decided to put this show together as my first attempt to put some of my ideas out there on the table to answer that question. Can play save us? Maybe play alone can't, but I do believe that without play, most of what we do to try to shape our lives and even our democracy they're going to fall flat. I, I believe that it's an essential ingredient for how we speak out and challenge ourselves as well as the established power structures and hierarchies. Um, so in this episode, it'll be more about how we challenge ourselves. Um, I don't want to get into my ideas yet on civil disobedience and play because I have quite a few of those. Um, kind of putting that and forming that and looking for some experts on that to interview too. But I thought I'd start with reflecting on some ideas from interviews and past episodes of Playgrounding. We'll look at how play helps to overcome addiction, how it may help us beat depression, and how it's essential to gaining perspective when life does not go our way and we're stuck in a mindset that doesn't serve us and isn't leading to positive action. So then to end it all off, I'll bring you a story from an amazing woman who set out last weekend to change her perspective and to reflect on the week's events and get out of her slump um, about the election. She ended up finding some playful surprises along the way. And yeah, she shared them with me. And that was my first step to try to come back, come back to playgrounding. So here I am. And now on with the show. In my very first interview here on Playgrounding, entrepreneur Meg Athaville, aka Meg Rabbit, <laughs> we were discussing the bumpy path she took to move away from a job and a life that was unfulfilling for her. It wasn't it wasn't satisfying her innate need to play, to you know, experiment and create, which is just a natural part of who she is. 
She's now a successful entrepreneur and a speaker who she runs three companies and she's been developing a toy that transforms a child's room into an interactive playground. It's called Lumo and I will make sure to link to that um, toy and to her full interview in the show notes. But this clip, let me set it up for you. We were discussing the fact that when you're dissatisfied and you don't see a clear path out, you know, a way out of a current situation, it can be exciting, you know, to take a step out into the unknown, but also it can be very dangerous um, if you kind of don't have a lot of real self-knowledge. Um, she admitted that there was a time she went down some destructive paths, just kind of like, you know, needing to get out of where she was and not really sure where she was going, but she found her way out of that too. Um, and I've had my own battles and I'm sure you have, um, but for her, giving herself permission to play and explore was a guiding light. And if you have any doubt that what she's saying is legitimate, she's going to describe for you in this clip a rat study that proves her point. Here is Meg explaining how play can play a big role in helping to save ourselves from addiction. Uh, but I think you just keep trying yes, you yes keep trying exactly. until you find the thing that that makes you really really happy and mm -hmm. and what ends up happening is like all the negative stuff just sort of naturally falls away because as soon as i have you ever have you ever read the rat park study no huh oh this is one of my favorite studies on addiction um and i wish i i wish i was better at remembering facts but if you look up rat park you'll find out what school it was from and what researchers conducted it and stuff um but basically there was a guy who uh was studying addiction and um, the team was taking these rats and getting them addicted to, you know, very hardcore drugs like uh, like crack and stuff and, and throwing crack and heroin, I think, were the two big ones. And they were throwing them into these cages and watching how they behaved and, you know, whether or not they were capable of kicking the addiction and what happened when the drugs were taken away. And this one researcher was like, you know, like, if you took a person and, and like, comparing these rats to, like, human addicts is, like, doesn't seem right because if you take a person and you put them in a little box <laughs> and you give them nothing but drugs, like they're just going to do the drugs. What else is there to do? Right. Exactly. So he built this thing called rat park, which was basically like rat heaven. Like he built this like massive cage where they could socialize and they had toys to play with and like things to climb and explore. And, um, he had a control study of rats that weren't addicted that were like kind of the permanent residents of rat park. And then he had the, the rats that had been, you know, given drugs and put in isolation. And he took those rats out of isolation and stuck them into Rat Park to see if they would continue being addicted to substances if they were provided with a more enriching environment. Mm. And every single one of them quit doing drugs. And, <sighs> and they went through, like, hardcore, like, like these, these rats were, like, you know, some of them had to be treated because they would just stop doing the drugs. And, the like, sometimes when you quit really suddenly, yeah. it has terrible biological impact. Absolutely. And so... Um, so, but the, every single one of them weaned themselves off or like ended up opting to not do drugs because they had something better. Like there was something better than drugs to do and wow. they wanted to do that thing. And I think that like in a lot of cases where people go down the path of when they're really, really dissatisfied and they go down the path of self-destruction, they become, you know, drug addicts or alcoholics, or they try to fill that gap in their lives in ways that are super unhealthy. I think the reason that that propagates and the reason that, that people have such a hard time recovering from that is because we live in a society where people are isolated. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if you keep that in mind in terms of trying to add more play into your life, mm -hmm. the one 
most important step that you can do is go find other people that are trying to solve the same problem. Like go, mm. go, go find other people that are like looking to change their lives or, um, looking to experience like a positive sort of fun. And you, it's the weirdest thing to say because I'm not religious, but church can sometimes be that place. Like I know that when I was, when I was really lonely as a kid, when I first moved to a new city and I didn't have any friends, youth group was like the thing that I would do to like have a social life to go meet people that just wanted to sing together or whatever. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunities for that when you're an adult, um, and taking classes is one of them. I mean, if you're artistic, there's all kinds of crazy things you can learn how to do, like from pyrotechnics to like, like learning how to do stained glass and all of those things are play. (laughs) Yeah. So in case you were wondering, the Rat Park study was conducted in the late 1970s, and it was published in 1981 by a Canadian psychologist named Bruce K. Alexander and his colleagues at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, Canada. Yay, Canada! Um, I'll include a link to today's show notes to Stuart McMillan's beautiful online graphic novel that he created to explain Rat Park to us. Just beautiful. Um, as well as to Meg's full interview as promised. So that's how play can help us with something as horrible as addiction. Um, So of course, as always, I'm not a doctor. Everyone has to deal with these things in a way that makes the most sense to you and to your doctor and your loved ones. But without a doubt, play is incredibly powerful, even in the face of something like addiction. Um, My next clip is from a show I did with a vegan cooking instructor named Megan Sad. Um, She has a beautiful website with her husband called Carrots and Flowers. Their cooking videos have started up like they're showing up like all over. Uh, They're on the vegan culinary websites. They're showing up on all kinds of um, health food websites. I'm so proud of the work that she and her husband Pasha have done. The reason I had her on the show is that she has been a long-time sufferer of depression. Depression. She's been on antidepressants. She struggled for years, um, but she's off her meds. I know this is a controversial topic, and again, I'm not a doctor, but she did it the right way for her. She chose a different treatment path, and one of the main ingredients of her new life is play. She's the creator of the 30 Day Fun Challenge online. And if you go to Instagram and look up hashtag 30 Day Fun Challenge, um, you will see thousands of pictures from this. I'll let Megan tell you about how play plays a big part in helping save herself from depression. We were in a little bit of a tough financial spot, but also just like, oh, what are we going to do? And um, I've struggled with depression my whole life, so... I knew I had two choices. I would be like sink into a hole and worry and worry more (laughs) about what am I doing with my life? Why did I turn down those jobs? I regret my decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) That's my normal downward spiral. Very well. That spiral. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, oh man, I should have done A, B, and C, and now I suck. So, but I was like, no, Mm -mm. not this time, man. (laughs) I'm done with that. I'm definitely done with that. So I decided to um, focus 100% on fun. Mm -hmm. Just like, what do I like to do? Let's get down to it. Let me build a life that makes me happy to wake up every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I was just tired of being depressed all the time. Mm -hmm. And And I don't take medication for it. And I don't want to take medication for it. And I know that there is a way for us to be happy 
and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so I just set out to do all of the things that made me feel that way. And I've known, I've noticed in the past, like looking back every time I was acting out of faith, taking inspired mm -hmm. action, but just really focused on having fun and feeling good. Mm -hmm everything worked out. We are meant to constantly grow and change and expand. And sometimes what we needed and wanted two years ago isn't right for us now. And I feel like we do owe it to ourselves to keep constantly seeking and asking ourselves, is this making me happy? Mm -hmm. Is there something else that would be making me just a little bit happier? Yeah. And then just reaching for that next good feeling. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, let's do a bag of cocaine and just like <laughs> say, fuck it all or whatever. It's not about that. It's like, oh, maybe, maybe I should paint that shelf turquoise or mm -hmm. maybe I should take a dance class or like we did. Hey, let's just for fun, sign up for a stand-up comedy workshop. <laughs> oh my god. Just goodness. for fun. That was like, you have no idea how out of left field that was for me, but yet it was such an amazing experience. I, I, I felt so weird that I didn't tell any of my friends because I was like, I'm going to suck at this so bad and I don't want anyone to know, but you were like my secret friend that was like, okay, you're going to come and do this. And it really expanded me. It brought me into a, a totally different way of looking at life. And who would I, I never knew that that's what goes into that kind of work. Me neither. Yeah. I always thought I looked at stand up comedians and I was like, I would never do that. That me looks too. terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. But then like one day I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun. Yeah. Just, just explore, do anything, do everything. Like, um, I want to scuba dive and Whoa. I also have a secret desire to be a feminist rapper. And you know what? I've been writing raps you and it's so like fun. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so great. fun. So I'm just like, I just want to do things that make me happy. And I, I feel like if more people did that, mm -hmm. everyone would be nicer to each other. Although it seems like a selfish act mm -hmm. to focus on having fun and your own joy, mm -hmm. it's actually the best gift you can give to the world. Because Absolutely. when you're joyful and when you're having fun, you're feeling good. And when you're feeling good, you're so nice to people mm -hmm. and you like exude love. Yes. And that's what the world needs. So it's like, do yourself a favor, mm -hmm. do your whole, the whole world a favor. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It feels selfish, which is why I am doing this podcast in the first place. Love because it. it feels selfish. It feels like when you have so much on your plate and you're working so hard, the last thing you want to do is, you know, go do something just for fun when there's right. so much you could be getting done and so much you could be accomplishing. But really by, by denying yourself that you're denying the world, your light. Mm -hmm. And you're denying the people around you your good mood. <laughs> yeah. Like the happiest version of yourself yeah, is what yeah. the is what the world deserves. It's Absolutely. what you, it's what we deserve. It's what each of us as individuals and everyone else around us needs. And even if you're a parent and you've got three kids and mm -hmm. you feel like you should give everything to them, if you don't give to yourself first, no. you don't have that extra love and light to share with people. Just like the airplane mask thing. Right. <laughs> Put it on yourself yep. and then help somebody. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm all about like the self-love and self-care. I've re I've seen very little self-help books that I wasn't like, I should read that. <laughs> because I have always been, you know, trying to feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I used to think it was all about um, needing to fix myself. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. And... I realized, thank God, being in my 30s is great because I'm finally <laughs> just like, I don't, I'm done with 
fixing. Mm-hmm. I just want to play. Yes. And um, and it's been great. And and through discovering what I like to do, I I knew that there was a chance that I could fall back mm-hmm. because I am a very one step forward, three step back kind of person, or I'll mm-hmm. like stick my foot out of the dark closet and be like, <laughs> Oh, that's scary. I'm coming right back yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so randomly I, I created this thing called the 30 day fun challenge. Um, and I was just posting a picture of a really wonderful, beautiful hike in Griffith park where I was like, just feeling really good and feeling like good about life and in a good place. And I was like, I want to hang on to this. Mm-hmm. And so as a challenge to myself, and it, it it feels like the idea didn't even, like, wasn't generated by me because I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it happened so fast. I, like, tapped this caption out on Instagram so quickly, and I was like, day one of 30-day fun challenge. I've decided the key to life is having fun, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it in practice with 30 days of me posting fun pictures with these hashtags. Yep. And um, and I was just like, okay, so I'm going to do this. And, and since... I did that. I think it was October 12th of last year mm-hmm. of 2015. Um, since I've done that, I it's catched, it's caught on. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, all, I think there's almost 2000 posts on Instagram. Now people are doing it. One of my friends did it for 60 days and then wow. started another one. I've got a few other friends who did it three months in a row with honestly no end in sight one woman that i don't even know i've never met her she started doing it in the middle of her second 30-day fun challenge she booked a solo trip to europe wow and she had the best time oh my goodness and i got to i've gotten to know her and like created this community someone you didn't even know no with someone i don't even know and now i'm like oh it's it's palm tree freak that's her handle online and i love and i'm like i love palm trees too and one day we both posted pictures that involved grumpy cats so sometimes like there's this weird synchronicity but it's this really cool online community and um another friend of of mine who tried it I challenged her a couple times and then like weeks and weeks later she was finally like okay I'm gonna do this because it is a little bit for people who don't post a lot on social media it can feel a little bit like oh what are people gonna think like what am I doing they're gonna think I'm stupid they're gonna judge me but she went from being um, kind of a shy person mm-hmm. and just really just like, mm, you know, taking a step back from the crowd to a person who by the end of the 30 days was going out to clubs and shows by herself. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. I'm a little still scared to do that. Yeah. So I just think it's all about taking those uh, leaps of faith and exploring and experimenting mm-hmm. and saying to yourself, what's the worst that could happen mm-hmm. if I showed a little bit more of myself or if I tried this thing that sounds cool but scary? Yeah. And the worst that can happen is nothing, really. It's so true. <laughs> the wor- like, And if somebody thinks that your posts are silly, they're going to unfollow you and it doesn't matter, no, you know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like, so I yeah. just think that... Um, it's been so inspiring to watch people do the challenge. And I feel like the people who get the most out of it are the people who are um, either suffer from depression like myself or the people who are just so eager to, like, go deeper. And it's made everything better. It really has. Like, my writing has gotten better. I'm more honest. I'm more mm-hmm. open. The comedy thing that we did just yeah. blew me apart. And I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm not scared of things anymore. And... Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm scared at sometimes, but like overall, my whole outlook on life since I've started focusing on fun and yep. joy has completely changed. Yeah. And now when I wake up in the morning, my goal, my main goal, it's not my checklist. It's not even mm-hmm. paying attention to my husband or calling my mom or keeping up with relationships. Yeah. My main goal in life now is to stay in a place of happiness and appreciation mm-hmm. and fun and joy because yeah. that's when I'm at my best and that's when I have the most to give to other people. You know, and that's something I think everybody kind of knows, kind of like just saying, yes, play is good for you. Yay. And then you move on. Or, you know, yes, it's great to be great, have gratitude. I mean, you see the quotes pasted all over Twitter you know, everybody knows that that's the case. But what I, what's exciting about what you're doing is that you actually have a strategy for people and leave it to me to, like, use the S word, you know. I'm a marketer till I die. No, it is a strategy. But it is a strategy is. to actually implement joy. It's like, you, it's like a software that I'm having to download and run. It's not something that just happens because you know that it's a good thing for you. Oh, yeah, being gracious and having gratitude is, is a great thing. And then you move on with your life. And it doesn't come naturally. Right. It doesn't come naturally all the time. It, it does after a while, I'm sure, after you form that habit of allowing yourself to live in that space. But that's what I really love about the 30-Day Fun Challenge is that you're, you have a strategy for helping yourself focus on joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... That's pretty amazing. I feel like 30 days. So I've talked before about how important play has been for me for similar reasons. I had spent several years battling anxiety. There's a great book by Charlie Hohen, and I always talk about it all the time. It's called Play It Away and how he battled anxiety with play. So can play save us? I don't know, um, but I know it can sure help us a lot. I really encourage you to check out the 30-Day Fun Challenge and also check out something else I've recently discovered along the same lines. Um, I don't know about about um, if it definitely directly deals with anxiety or depression, but you got to check out the, ra- the flying raccoon. Apparently somewhere in the UK, there's a flying raccoon on a mission to reintegrate play into the lives of all adults. And according to him, he believes that in the process, we can recapture a bit of the humanity that has been lost. Also seeming like something that might be saving us there too. Um, Those are the raccoon's words. He's been documenting his 100 days of fun, also a hashtag, 100 days of fun, 130 in those hashtags are numerical, um, with the blog post about every day the fun thing he does for a hundred days. It's really inspiring. And um, I'll link to Megan's full episode as well as to the flying raccoon in the show notes. Now next, now I almost didn't include this because it's really not possible to pull the real power of what this guest shares into a short clip, but I'm going to play this as kind of a setup. Then I'll give you a quick rundown afterwards about where we took this conversation and how I think it applies to the question, can play save us? Here is actress and dancer Michelle Barton. I I just love your exploration on play. And I do think that we need that. You know, the more that we can all play with what it is to be alive Mm -hmm. in the ways that make sense to us, um, um, you know, transformation happens Mm -hmm. like inside of child's play. Yeah. You know, and I know kids are always reminding me Uh that so much can be connected to child's play. I mean, they'll have tantrums Mm -hmm. and then like 
as soon as it's done, it's done, and they're on to the next thing. You know, they're not like fretting about the fact so they had a tantrum so five true. minutes ago. I'm so you know? embarrassed, Mom. <laughs> you know? What did that guy in the aisle think of me when I threw that tantrum at the grocery store? Oh, God, I should never speak about anything no. again. Forever. That's my rule, you know. Oh, God, yeah. We're... We're weird. Grown-ups are weird. Although we tend to make these choices as kids on some level, too, depending on how the adults react to us. True, true. Yeah. But But I guess that's kind of where I've been gaining access, you know, with some of my own kids' stuff that I made up Mm -hmm. around things that happened. I, through acting, Mm -hmm. noticed that I can make different choices Mm -hmm. about how I relate to the world. Yeah. It's taught me a lot about compassion yeah and my way into taking on you know a character mm-hmm. i've learned isn't actually about separating from myself mm-hmm. it's really about getting really intimate with myself and learning what triggers me mm-hmm. and and playing you know with what it is to be human what it is to be alive and and learning how to specifically work with my own self in that way, like if there's a character that's has to start really happy, you know, I've got to find a way to really authentically get to that space no matter how I'm feeling. And I might be mm-hmm. the opposite of that. Or the other way, I might be really happy and this character's starting really angry or deep and dark and depressed and like, who wants to go there? Yeah. Like, you know, so I have to, um, like, you know, my own resistance to even being like, Ugh. Yeah. even though I love acting, you know, there are these, like, these minuscule moments mm-hmm. where I'm like, I don't want to feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and... And just how to play within mm-hmm. my own sort of self and mm-hmm. the structure of me yeah. to fulfill my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've found that for me, the, it has to come in a form of play mm-hmm. to give me the most kind of malleability with myself. The reason you inspired me so much was because in that conversation, I remembered a time when I was going through some difficulty. I had a breakup. I was I was working in a corporate environment. Um, you have to. You cannot wear it on your sleeve in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I I was that day. And my boss very sweetly came to me and said, "You're going home." And I said, "But I'm here. I'm." Basically, what I was thinking was, I just made all the effort to get out of bed and dry my face off and get here, and I'm here, so that should be rewarded, right? And she's just like, we have a really important meeting, and I can't have you like this in the meeting. And it wasn't mean at all. She just said, we need to put on our best, most powerful, most aggressive, good, happy faces, and you don't have one, and I don't think you're going to today. So I had a migraine that day. I, you know, I pretended. I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I need to go home. And I remember for a while I felt really angry that I couldn't just be myself. And But I, but I knew why she needed us to be there. And I realized that what you learn as an actor is something that we do have to master in some way if we're going to get along in the adult world. We can't walk into our cubicles, you know, wallowing in horrible feelings. And we can't walk into any job, especially like you know, just feeling like that. Uh, sometimes we don't need the world to know what we're feeling. And in order to do that, it doesn't have to be manipulation. It doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be just force yourself to smile kind of thing. Like, and what you have kind of taught me is that it's possible to go into an actual acting scenario where you're not being fake, where you're not manipulating yourself. You're actually 
allowing yourself to explore something um, different, explore mm. the inside of your, explore your insides, and also your ability to have compassion. Yeah, others, and then let that manifest. Yeah, and I mean, I guess in an experience like that, like. So in this interview, I was basically asking Michelle on the fly to come up with ways to help me approach that day if I had to do it all over again. Um, I wanted to see what a seasoned actress would do, you know, get some improv going, you know, how do you bring full authenticity to a situation like that? And the reason I think it's relevant right now is, is that I think so many of us are confused and angry and, and frustrated with the results of the election. I mean... It's been a very heavy and sad time for so many on both sides of this whole thing. And I, I think we're coming out of the fog now asking ourselves and really asking each other, how do we live now? How do we do this? What do we do? There's just, there's no way to go on with the same old, same old. We're angry. We're sad. You know, how do we turn that into something productive and effective to change the world for good without either being angry all the time or plastering fake smiles on our faces? You know, I mean... Well, her suggestions specifically in the show are about how to show up for an important work presentation after a nasty breakup, which seemed pretty small compared to what the world is experiencing right now. But her suggestions are about how we can move away from non-productive thought patterns and into something transformative, you know, real, authentic transformation. And I really hope you'll check out the full episode, which of course, like everything else, you'll find in today's show notes. Lastly, I'll bring you the reason why this episode is happening instead of a regularly scheduled interview. See, after I read Matthias's post asking, can play save us? And I was mulling things over. I recalled a conversation I had with a friend over the weekend. Her name is Amanda Kulong. Now, Amanda is the co-chairman of the board for Witty. It's Women in Technology International. She's also a founding partner of TechZulu. She's just one of those amazing people. I, I just have such deep respect for her. She was the first person I spoke to after the election that seemed to have a little hope in her voice, and I will let her tell you why. You know, the weekend was approaching, and everyone was really heavy, heavy with many thoughts and emotions, regardless of what side one mm -hmm. was on. Yeah. Um, I started off by taking my boyfriend to Descanso Gardens, Mm -hmm. um, just to be in nature and to ground in, if you will, be around some oak trees, be in, be in nature. Absolutely. Which was really, really nice. But um, on Sunday, I decided, like, how, how can we put things in perspective? Mm -hmm. There's so much that we all have to admit to ourselves about the bubbles that we all exist in. Yep. And there's something to be said also about peeling back layers in moments like this, peeling mm -hmm. back layers with oneself, mm -hmm. peeling back layers of society, peeling back layers of family and beliefs, and it goes well beyond politics. Absolutely. So I decided that it would make sense to just go on a stroll in downtown Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, we originally were going to go to a museum because why not get some art and culture? Exactly. But there was a huge line around the block, so we decided to go to the LA Central Library in downtown, which is one of my safe havens. Mm -hmm. Talk about, you know, just a symbol of knowledge, yes. philosophy. Uh, there's some hidden symbols throughout that building mm -hmm. architecturally and whatnot. But I, I really wanted to go back to those basics, go back to the books, go back, go back to the knowledge of, of things from before. 
and we were about to head inside. And all of a sudden, I saw this group of young adults, uh, plus some elders. They were all in t-shirts and they were posing with each other in loving positions. Like one woman was on the ground, reaching her hand up, smiling, and the other person was reaching down to take her hand, to lift her up. Wow. Uh, they were in, in these loving positions of helping one another and acceptance. And I thought, what on earth is this? This, you know, <laughs> this has got to be something I'm going to like. So, you know, we kind of tiptoed over and they were recording it and we get off to the side and then they start dancing, dancing in celebration. <laughs> and you know me, Kara, like I wanted to jump in in the middle of the dance, but I was like, this is. is something good. I need to be a part of this. Well, I, I grabbed a gentleman uh, and pulled him off to the side and I said, what, what is this that you're doing here? I, I don't understand what it is, but I like it. You know, everyone's so down. This is a wonderful thing. And he said, well, it's World Kindness Day. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, wow. wow. You know, and, and everyone was so raw emotionally. That alone made me want to cry. Yeah. But he said, it's World Kindness Day. He said, and we have an organization called Life Vest International. Mm -hmm. And it, every, every single World Kindness Day, they do these flash mobs of sorts in New York, at, at a Times Square in New York, um, in other parts of the world, and they've started doing them here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so they thought that it would be appropriate to do it at the library downtown mm -hmm. this year. And that alone just hit me. Because of the contrast, right? Mm -hmm. So much about life is contrast. And that's the thing I keep reminding everybody right now is, yeah, some of us might be scared. Actually, a lot of people are just scared on both sides. Mm -hmm. They're scared for their jobs. They're scared for their livelihood, for their families, for mm -hmm. their ability to uh, believe what they want, to practice whatever religion they want, to love who they want. Everyone's just filled with fear right now. Mm -hmm. But life is about contrast. It's mm -hmm. about the light and the dark. It's about the good and the bad. And uh, this was contrast too. Everyone had heavy hearts, yet these are people dancing in the street outside of the library, yeah. outside of a place of knowledge. And so they, did they, they had planned this, yeah. obviously, previous. Beforehand. And wow. Beforehand. And there had been, and all through downtown, there have been protests mm -hmm. and marches and yeah. sadness and very, It's it's been a very heavy time to live in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. There was even a, a sticky note that someone had placed on a lamp post in downtown around Fifth hmm. and Spring around the last bookstore. Yeah. Shout out there. I love that place. Yeah. Liz Houston, good friend. <laughs> um, but someone had put a sticky note on the lamp post that said LGBTQ people, Muslims, women, people of different races, colors, ages, faiths, I support you. Yeah, and I took a photo of that, mm -hmm. and I'll give that to you too. <laughs> even that just you know, just floored me. And I, yeah. I guess that in the subway station uh, in New York City, something similar happened, where a therapist took a bunch of sticky notes into the subway the day after the election mm -hmm. and had people writing down how they felt. Yeah, and it was just covering the walls of the subway. And do you think like? Do you think these things, like when I think of this, I, I, I'm always very excited by Improv Everywhere and these kind of groups that want to go just kind of surprise people and, mm -hmm. and delight them. Um, yeah. Do you think that what these people were doing had any kind of a playful 
thing to you? Like, did, Oh, did absolutely. <laughs> I mean, especially when they started doing the dance. I seriously wanted to join in with them. What were they doing? Like, what kind of... Oh, it was just, you know, it was a pop dance, you oh know, and it looked like something that you would see not on Dancing with the Stars because that was way too hard. But, yeah. um, but, you know, any kind of dance that you would see in a music video, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, I did not join the dance because I didn't want to ruin it for them. But I did, however, <laughs> join in the photo that they took afterwards. Aww. They took all these group photos and they actually invited us to come into the photo with oh, them. Oh, that's great. You know, again, inclusion. Yeah. And they, they brought us in and, and we were just smiling and, and there was this moment of reprieve. There was this moment where everyone could breathe and mm-hmm. let everything else go. And then they interviewed me about what is kindness. Ooh, yeah. What is kindness? And did that playful exchange change you at all? It always does. Yeah. It always does. I mean, I, I think it's very important for us to realize that every single human being needs to engage in mm-hmm. play, yeah. not just children. And I've listened to your other <laughs> podcast episodes, and it's so I have, important. I have it's, opinions on that. Yeah, just a few, just a few. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is. It's really, really important for people to engage in play yeah. because it, it allows us to get out of ourselves. Yeah. It allows us to get out of our own heads, out of our own paradigms, out of our own bubbles that yep. everyone keeps talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And play allows us to also engage different centers of our brain that we don't engage otherwise from a communications perspective, from a belief perspective. It lights up other areas of our brains that that engage empathy. And empathy is something we need so desperately right now. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I am so grateful for you for sharing this with me that night. I actually needed to hear it myself too. I was (laughs) in a slump for like almost the entire, well, plus I got sick on top of And she lost her voice, which is very ironic (laughs) given the state of the election. Exactly. (laughs) And so it just, every little tidbit that people brought back to me from the outside after the election just meant so much to me in that little exchange and also going out in nature and just purposefully recognizing that you needed to pull yourself out of this slump. And yeah, it's self-care, right? Yeah. That's a big thing I'm seeing in all of the articles that are coming out and all of the posts from my networks is whenever something shakes you yep. to your core, yeah. whether it's a political cycle, whether it is a natural disaster, whether it is people that you love breaking up that you care about, like whatever <laughs> yeah. it might be, yeah. um, things that shake us, we yeah. need to be able to have some self-care in mm-hmm. that process. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I think that's something that shouldn't be discounted. And play yeah. is a great way of, of taking care of oneself. Absolutely. Well, you guys will be hearing so much more from Amanda, especially if you're in the technology world um, <laughs> here in the near future. And I hope to get her on the podcast sometime as well. She has some amazing insights to share. Someday. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Amanda. You're welcome. I really needed that. And I did a little research and I found out that the organization she bumped into that day is called Life Fest Inside, founded by Orly Waba. You can check out what they're doing and hear Orly's TED Talk on their website, lifevestinside.com, which of course, like everything else, will be in today's show notes. It's going to be a long show notes today. Um, well, Matthias, how is that for a first stab? And to the rest of you, what do you think? Can play save us? Is it frivolous to be talking about play at a time like this? I welcome your ideas and your feedback in the comments section of today's episode on playgrounding.com at playgrounding.com slash 19 or on our Facebook page. Just type in playgrounding to the search and you can find us right there. 
Thank you so much again for listening. And I really hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Playgrounding, where we are going to explore more about what it means to live a play-inspired life. Bye-bye. <laughs>